0: Get ready! Get ready! Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Cause you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, the Chris Voss Show. Welcome to the big show, my family, and friends. We really appreciate you. And today, once again, we're going to do some learning. There's going to be some learning in. I don't know. That's a thing. Making it up. That's the ramble, folks. That's what we do. We make it up. We're going to do some learning today, and we've got some great New York Times bestselling authors on the show. They're going to be talking to us about their latest book that just came out uh, April 4th, 2023. Can you believe it's almost May? Jesus, where did this month go? Uh, Anyway, guys, as always, we're going to get to them in a second. But in the meantime, we have to shame you, guilt you, and and, uh, try and motivate you to put five people in your downline by subscribing to the Chris Voss Show MLM. No, I'm just kidding. It's not MLM. But seriously, though. Tell people that uh, they should subscribe to the show. Give us those five-star reviews on iTunes. Go to youtube.com for Chris Voss. goodreads.com for Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com for Chris Voss. And oh yeah, yeah, we're working on the show over at TikTok now. There's TikTok Chris Foss1, and there's TikTok the Chris Foss Show podcast. And there's my dogs over there too. They have their own account we just set up, Huskies of Chris Foss. You can find it over there and all the links to the Chris Foss show. It's at TikTok, it's where all the kids are. It's where all the stupidity is, too, but that's another story. Anyway, guys, uh, the amazing authors we have on the show, Kelly Starrett and Juliet Starrett, are the authors on today's show. Uh, They've written a multitude of books. Their newest book just came out April 4th, 2023, Built to Move, the 10 Essential Habits to Help You Move Freely and Live Fully. For those of you who want to live freely and live fully, for those of you who don't, you can skip the show because, uh, I don't know, death sounds really cool, but don't do that. Uh, listen to the show, and you'll enjoy it. You'll learn something, and you'll move freely and live fully. Welcome to the show, Kelly and Juliet. How are you?
1: We're great. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Yeah, What an intro every time you nail it. I, I try. And sometimes, sometimes we whiff one, but it's always a ramble, and it's always... It's always random and whatever bleeds out of my brain. And there we are. Uh, so Kelly, Juliet, uh, give us your.com. So people can find you on the interwebs there.
1: Sure. We are at the readystatecom And if you want to learn more about our book specifically, it's builttomove.com.
0: There you go. And you guys have written a few uh, other books. If we want to get a plug in for them as well, how many books have you written?
1: So I think we're at six books. Uh, one of them is the sec uh, two editions, but our first book was called becoming a supple leopard. We also wrote another book called Ready to Run, a third book called Desbound, a little book for paddlers called Waterman 2.0, and then we did a second edition of Supple Leopard and now Built to Move. So if my math is correct, I think that's six books.
0: All right, now I have to ask, what's a Supple le- Leopard? I, is that I don't know me on Friday nights in a in a, a leotard or.
2: Nailed it. That's exactly what this is about. <laughs> Ultimately, can people do what they're supposed to do with their body? And can you access that at a moment's notice? Mm-hmm. Can you feel better and move the way you're supposed to? And that was really the sort of central idea of trying to re-empower people with their bodies. You know, we just get stuck in these little windows of movement. All of a sudden, you can't put your arms over your head. And that was the whole idea originally 10 years ago when he wrote Supple Leopard.
0: So what is a supple leopard, though? Well tell
2: that story, Kels. Like well, uh, we had uh, we had a couple reasons. One of us we had a, a friend who was in Navy Special Warfare. He came back, he'd been shot in Afghanistan, and he was he's like, you know, Kelly, I really appreciate all the work you're doing. I'm feeling better, but the leopard never stretches. And I was like, you know, that's a really good point, Andy. Comma, you're not a leopard. And <laughs> by the way, that... If you notice this, but the, the leopard can attack and defend at full physical capacity. And yeah. at a moment's notice, it doesn't really have to do all these elaborate It can elaborate literally
1: things. be like laying in a tree, taking a nap Oof, and be leopard. like, oh, look, there's a kudu. Here I go.
0: That's me when I have my coffee in the mornings. We talked about in the green room, and as soon as you hit that uh, that skull crusher,
2: I think is what you called it, and then uh, you go (laughs) right into it. So you know that sort of idea came out of that. This joke with our friend about, and then the word supple is just too fantastic, and so that alliteration together, we knew that we would never ever be mistaken for anyone else. So. you know, the, the, the idea was born about how can we teach people, and this first book was really a heavy-duty textbook, but how do we give people their range of motion back? How can we move the physical therapist and the physician out of the conversation and re-empower people in their own homes and in the gyms to actually feel better and take
0: care of their bodies? There you go. And here I thought it was a strip club name. Same uh, same. So <laughs> anyway, guys, all jokes aside. Uh, so anyway, guys, what motivated you want to write this book, Built to Move?
1: Well, I'll start, and I'm sure Kelly can add some color commentary, but, you know, we've been working with high-performing athletes for over 20 years, you know, from every major sport to Olympians to elite military units. And, you know, what we realized is that if we just took the lessons we learned there and did nothing with them, then that was just sport and had no ultimate purpose. And the other thing we saw is that, you know, thanks to the internet, there is a massive amount of health and fitness information out there. It's a fire hose. And for everybody who doesn't have the luxury of being able to have a personal trainer and a coach and an athletic trainer and a massage therapist and a PhD to sort and, through. And it. a PhD to sort through all of the madness, that those people ultimately were very confused and weren't really sure where to start, weren't sure what to prioritize, weren't sure which levers were going to move, you know, which were going to move the biggest levers for them from a health standpoint. And, you know, when you look at the data actually out there about our overall health as a country. I mean, you know, people are now spending trillions of dollars on health and fitness, and belonging to gyms and supplements, and you name it. But all of our metrics are still trending downhill. You know, we're becoming more heavy, more diabetic. There's more back pain. You know, disability, loneliness, depression. You name it. If you look at any statistic of health, we're not doing a great job. And so we feel really, like, and that speaks to the
2: failure of yeah. this of this institution of health, yeah. right? This commodization yeah. of health we call and it fitness. the fitness
1: industrial complex. Yeah. And so we, we felt like there were a lot of really small things that we do in our own lives. And, and those are the same things that we recommend as the, the basic and foundational practices of our elite performers that we could actually share with a broader audience and really make a difference in people's lives and overall health.
2: And let me add that this has got to exclude diet and exercise. Yes, we're going to talk about fueling for and, and making sure you have the right nutrients on so you have healthy tissues. We all want that, right? So that our knees don't hurt. But what we, people have gotten the message that they should exercise and that still hasn't worked. And what we realized is that we could create a set of physical behaviors, kind of thinking differently about our world and in our busy schedules from when we wake up to when we go to bed that didn't include exercise. And if you did all of these things, lo and behold, you could actually feel better and create more durability. So you can take the hits, take the stress and be ready to go when you want to go and do that as long as you want.
1: And I think that's one of the things that's very controversial. I mean, we obviously love exercise. We owned a commercial gym for 16 years. You know, we do we exercise for fun. But what we've really learned over the years is in many ways exercise is extracurricular, which is controversial. We we think it's important. There's a lot of great elements to it, but there are so many other things that are low-hanging fruit that people can do for their health that can be done in short amounts of time that make a huge difference.
0: There's some people that have been saying that uh that, you know, sitting is the new uh, smoking. Like, if you're sitting too much, you're never moving. It's almost as dangerous as, you know, smoking some cigarettes. I haven't really tried it. I never got into the smoking part. You, but can, I you am could race them. You
2: part. could definitely race them and see how that went. You know, that's actually James Levine of the Mayo Clinic, who's one of the preeminent obesity researchers on the planet. And what he realized, and I think we all we caught on and then we were all like, that's funny and kind of, you know, witty and sticks in our head. But it's not sitting is bad. Let's get rid of that. Let's say that not moving is less good. Hmm. And so we have a bunch of friends who have jobs. They fly, they fly planes. They, you know, are bus drivers. They cannot not sit as part of their job. You might have to sit down and focus at work. But it's two things. One is that we're really saying, hey, marathon bouts of inactivity are less good for your body. And two, how can we combat? that idea of like, if you had to stand, you had a job where you had to stand still all day long, you were, it was murder. And that also doesn't work. What we're looking at is how can we create more opportunities for you to move more in your environment? And the research now is pretty unequivocal. Human beings' brains and our bodies work better when we move. Turns out, for example, that the difference really in the research between people who are able to maintain their weight over a lifetime and people who struggle with their weight is an exercise. It's not even the kinds of diet. It's how much activity they have day to day. So uh-huh. just having to walk more, fidget more, be up and down, just be active. It's sort of built in calorie control.
0: There you go. Fidgeting more. You know, it, it, it's it's funny how sedentary, how our sedentary, is that the right word? Uh, our lives have become yeah. with computers and, you know, we we're supposed to have these computers. The computers are making a life better, eh? You're going <laughs> to sit and, and look at a screen all day, you know, and you're going to be sitting just as close as when my mom used to yell at me when we were kids in the 70s. She'd be like, that's it, so close to the screen.
1: You're gonna go blind. Only if you're
2: watching Mork and Mindy. You had to be that close. Yeah.
0: My mom doesn't talk like that, by the way. I don't want her to send me hate mail. Um, she's very lovely. Um, but no, I mean, you know, everyone's mom did that, you know, and now now it's even worse. We're walking around looking at our phones like you know six inches in front of our face. Um, and so uh, you know, here here in the office, I, I have I'm sitting at a uh what's supposed to be a stand-up desk. It's a very expensive stand-up desk. There's a stand-up desk to the left of me, too or the right of me I can't tell directions clearly um and uh, it's the first sign uh and so <laughs> I never use them and like every now and then I'll be like hey you know uh, this is a moving desk I should it's it's like expensive it goes like all the way up and down and I'm too tired to move it today
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I think what you're picking up on is that there is a, you know, sort of an environment human mismatch these days with all of the technology we have. I mean, you know, we didn't have to necessarily talk as much about these things back in the 70s and 80s when we moved more. I mean, if you just look at kids, I think there's some statistic that like when we were kids in the 70s, something like 90% of kids walked or biked to school. And I think that's down to like 15% or something now. So you just look at how you had to walk you know, to the hose to drink from yeah, it. You right? yeah, yeah. You had to know, drink from the hose. and Right. And you you know, we, we all, we all were put outside until dark, you know, from morning till dark, weren't invited back into the home until it was dark at night. Right. So, so there were Digital just so nice. many more opportunities to be in constant motion, you know, when technology wasn't part of our lives, but what we do know is that technology is not going away. And so what, one of the things we're trying to do is help people figure out how to, you know, sort of address all of the technology and sedentaryism we're doing these days, knowing that technology is not going away. And, you know, one of the things we talk about is this idea of session cost, and you can think about it in, in you know, it, one example would be the session cost of a workout is that you would be sore and tired afterwards and maybe not as ready the next day to do your workout. But what we like to try to suggest people do is, is, is apply the session cost concept to their everyday activities. And so, you know, if you need to sit for eight or nine hours, because that's what your job requires, that's a session cost, but then you might actually then want to consider putting a little bit of input into your body later on Mm -hmm. in the form of walking, maybe some soft tissue mobilizations, you know, just something to sort of address that session cost of long bouts of sitting. And like Kelly says, you know, the goal is more movement and, you know, there's lots of ways you can be in a chair and still be fidgeting and moving around. And, you know, as long as you're getting up every so often you know really the goal is just not to sit in one position for really long periods of time so if
2: we took your setup right now you might find that you focus really well and you like these interviews seated it just works for your brain but what we want to do is raise you up and say hey here's a bar stool let's get you perching let's not just make you stay in all the time let's so juliet and i are both leaning and and perching right now oh, wow. our feet are on the ground mm-hmm. but we're not sitting and what happens there Ultimately, is what we're trying to do with all of this movement at a technical level is raise our activity requirements above one and a half metabolic equivalents. So if you ever remember the old stair masters mm-hmm. from hotels, and you were like, "What's a MET?" and you would be like, "I'm, you I'm
1: doing your workout. I'm like doing it seven Mets. METs,"
2: and you're like, "I don't know what seven <laughs> METs is. Is that good? Was this it was like a bonus unit of like cherries or McNuggets?" But the idea here is what we know is that a lot of the sedentary sort of behavior physiology kicks on below one and a half it's a kind of a metabolic equivalent and sitting in a chair puts us at that one 1.2 as soon as you stand as soon as you perch as soon as you move and have activate a little bit more musculature your brain is like oh this is an activity and really our goal is to try to limit mm-hmm. that total amount of time so again We find that sometimes deep work requires people to sit, totally okay, but then what ends up happening is if you raise that desk up, gave yourself a bar stool, chances are without even thinking about it, you would start moving more because it invites a window of opportunity. And so what you've done there is exactly what this book is about, is reimagining our environments and asking us, hey, where and when are we spending our time and how might we think differently? Let me give you an example. Tonight, if you're listening to this, your homework, this is it. This is the number one homework. We want you to sit on the ground while you watch TV tonight. We know you're watching TV. The research is clear. But (laughs) just sitting on the ground, you can sit any way you want. You can kneel. You can side sit. You can long sit. Crisscross applesauce. But what you'll get is 20 to 30 minutes of end range of motion in your hips. You'll Mm. be in a whole bunch of shapes and positions you're normally not in. You're going to find it uncomfortable. You have to lean up against your couch. Totally okay. And then eventually, you're going to have to get up and down off the ground, which again is going to sort of expose you to a whole bunch of just novel movement that your body typically was using and requiring, but you haven't touched for a while. And that idea is suddenly, hey, in our busy lives, we don't want to give you another list of crap you got to get done to optimize your life. You feel pretty great. But if we start keeping an eye on, hey, where and when can I make these small changes? We find that these are the hinge, small hinges that open enormous doors.
0: There you go. And you guys cover a lot of different gambit in the book. You guys cover uh, diet, simple diet recommendations, uh, doing the squat position a few times a week. There's a joke there somewhere, but I can't find it. Uh, balance exercises, <laughs> Creating a movement-rich environment, getting up sleep, sleeping on the floor uh, or sitting on the floor, deep breathing, uh, hamstring mobilization. There's a joke there somewhere that goes with the squatting part too. Uh, I don't know what that means. Walking at least, what is that,
1: 8,000? Yeah, we recommend eight to 10,000 steps a day.
0: Mm-hmm. Not 10,000.
2: 8,000 is your minimum. So that you can just, you know, if you're casually like, hey, I want to reduce everything that might kill me by 50%,
0: wow. walk 8,000 steps a day. 50 so If I do half that amount, I reduce it to twenty five percent. Nope, you get one percent. You get one okay. percent. Oh damn.
2: But but you what <laughs> so you bring zero, up man. what you bring up is a really good point because you know, again, Juliet and I are busy working parents. We have two teenage kids, we work in front of computers while what we don't have is hours and hours every day to like optimize our schedule. And Juliet gets up and writes her graduate journal and I get in front of my red LED lights and we uh, we perfect meal prep. That's not reality. That is some Instagram horse shit. Mm-hmm. And what I want to point out to people is that when we begin to say, hey, what are the essentials and what's realistic that you can be consistent with for long periods of time? If you start chunking a little bit of movement, I'm going to walk for five minutes after uh, my, my lunch. I'm going to just make sure that I'm moving Around a little bit more, you can get to eight thousand steps pretty reasonably if you're a little bit more intentional about it, and your life begins to change.
1: I think the other thing is, you know, you listed off, you know, some of the things that are in our book. But one of our goals with this book was try to create the book the one book vital signs, vital signs. And, and that our goal here was to make a comprehensive book of basic health practices that was super accessible for anyone to follow. Now, if you go to any bookstore or onto Amazon, you can find a thousand books on diet. You can find a thousand books on workouts. You know, if you look at any of these chapters, you can find tons of information about that. But what we found is that people often don't understand how all these behaviors interconnect and, and, feed off of one another, so to speak. And we can give some examples of that, but we wanted to basically say, Hey, look, you know, you may or may not be into health and fitness, but you probably want to feel good in your body and be out of pain and, and you not know, be in a
2: able, wheelchair and, and not be in a nursing Yeah, home. and be
1: able to play with your grandkids when you're older. You know, most people share that common feeling. And if you have that feeling there again, are some really basic things here. They're all interconnected and they're totally accessible and doable. Even if you're not someone who loves to hit the gym.
0: There you go. There's a simplistic thing to it where, you know, it's not, you know, you don't have something super complex. It's very easy to understand. And, you know, it's not something where you're like, eh. so let me ask you this. Uh, I do have a, a screen over here. So every now and then I like turn my head that way. Great. And every now and then I even rotate to read what's going on, on that screen. And then sometimes when I'm doing eating the back of Doritos, eh, I'll like uh, there's a movement you know, where I'm eating the bag of Doritos, you know, pick the Dorito out, you know, sometimes there's well, some guacamole. Well, check this there. How out. much is that, how much is that working for me in exercise?
2: Check this out. When we are talking, like you mentioned sort of diet, which is a word that like throws people off immediately. Like I'm not into diet culture. I'm not into food culture. I don't want to count calories. And so what we know though, is that it is much easier to buffer some Doritos. I am about the cookie. I love cookies. I'm never going to turn down a cookie. No one in my house is safe. If we have cookies in the house, I'm going to wake up at two in the morning looking for cookies. But what do we know is that if we give people clear objective measures about aspects of their life they're not aware of, for example, one of the things that we know that everyone benefits from, wait for it, is more fiber. Right. Mm. And, you know, how sexy is it to talk about, hey, let's get some more fiber. Let's Ooh, get some fiber. Let's Ooh, fiber.
0: Good baby. But
2: what we found out is that if we got people to eat more fruits and vegetables, specifically 800 grams, what is 800 grams of fruits and vegetables? Four big apples. A banana weighs eight 100 grams. If you ate a pound of cherries, you're way into, uh, you know, over 1,000 grams. And what you'll see is, a pound of cherries, which I don't recommend eating all at once. You'll have explosive <laughs> diarrhea, but you'll get the idea. <laughs> but a hurt. pound of cherries is 230 calories. And what we end up getting when we put all this micronutrients, all the, the phytonutrients, all the magic in fruits and vegetables, when we ask people to come up to this level, then we say, hey, here's the minimum amount of protein want to eat every day. What we find is people feel better they're more cognitive, they're lu- more lu- lucid, their tissues handle better. And guess what? You're so full that you ate so many things. And then if you want to eat some Cheetos on top of it, knock yourself out, it's not going to hit. But what you'll find is there's also some calorie control built in there. And once again, This eating regimen, this is how we work with, remember, I'm a physical therapist, so I see a lot of injuries and a lot of surgeries. Mm -hmm. And if we're trying to help people get out of chronic pain or heal from a surgery, you're getting our prescription. If you're trying to change your body weight, you're getting our prescription. And if you want to eat beans and potatoes with your family and not have a weird, bring your chicken bag and a breast to a party, (laughs) you don't have to do that. You don't have to be a weirdo. We want to expand your nutrition choices, but understand that your sleep will be better, your your body will feel better, you'll lose weight, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, and I think what Kelly's hinting at is that you know, we are refugees as people in the health and fitness. Survivors. So we're survivors of the health and fitness diet culture situation. And one of the, the things that my most, keto trumps your most, paleo most diets have done for all of us is restrict, 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 including things like fruits and vegetables, which to me it shows that we've really lost the forest through the trees when it comes to our health. I mean, every culture has eaten fruits and vegetables since there were people making records of what cultures are eating people eat fruits and vegetables just different kinds and so you know we've really lost the narrative and one of the things we love about this style of eating is it's expansive every other diet people follow means that they have to cut out this dinner party with their friends and they can't have this alcohol and they can't have this you know the way we see it is if you meet the minimums of eating some fruits and vegetables and getting some protein you and if you move enough throughout your day you've got some you've got some wiggle room to be able to go have a glass of wine with your friends and be normal and not have to to, you know, again, like Kelly said, bring a baggie of chicken to your dinner party because you're on some, you know, cleanse or special diet.
2: And here's what we've got with, by creating vital signs that are physical behavior. So some of them are about range of motion. How well do you move in your environment? But giving you a benchmark allows you to sort of make decisions. Hey, I'm crushing that. I don't need to pay attention to it. Or, wow, this is a real blind spot for me. The same way you go in and you get your blood pressure checked once in a while at the grocery store, (laughs) you know, you stick your arm in the machine. You're like, whoa, my blood pressure is really high or I'm killing it. If I say 120 over 80 is, is sort of our benchmark, then we have a place where we can start to pay attention. What we've done here with fitness in the last 20 years is we've made it completely subjective. We've made it completely confusing. And by giving people clear vital signs, they can realize, hey, I'm above that or I'm below that, but tomorrow I get to play better. And if we expand besides this, we've basically created this situation where we give fitness in one hour chunks. I go to my fitness class, my Peloton class, my CrossFit class, and if I don't get that one hour chunk... I may as well do nothing. I may as well do nothing. And I assume that that one hour chunk, three days a week is gonna cover me and it does not cover you. (laughs) It's the 23 hours of the day, plus adding in some of these essential behaviors. And lo and behold, you can start to make big boy, big girl decisions about how you wanna live your life. And the hint at is that you think you feel good, but you can feel better. You think you're handling stress well, but you can actually handle stress better. How do we know we run this experiment in major league soccer, in premier football, I mean, in NBA, NFL, we just test this over and over again, and it come, turns out we actually can be a little bit better and work a little bit harder and feel a little bit fresher.
0: There you go. I you know, I can attest to the the fruits and vegetables things, 800 uh, grams. I need to see if I'm taking a full 800 grams of fruits and vegetables a day. I buy all my salads from, I have one to two salads a day. I buy oh, all my great. salads yeah. from a local farm here in Utah. And it's all hyponically grown. It's, it's just it delete, it just everything about it. I, I make people draw on Facebook because they're like, oh, my God, the lettuce you have and the, all the ingredients. Love it. It. And, and the one, so one thing I learned is if you if you want to eat healthy, you got to make it taste good. So, oh, you know, it tastes 100%. better than in and out Burger. But I, I need to put more fruits into my diet. I, I eat a lot of pineapple uh, because it, it's supposed to be good for uh, gut health. Like, I'm into eating different things that that are really good for the gut health. So, I eat a lot of pineapple, uh, beets or more vegetables. I don't really think I Oh, yeah, I have a banana every day for the potassium. And what people do is a lot of these sugars that are in natural fruit, they're okay for your body to digest.
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, I just want to say if you're eating two salads every day and a banana, you are 100% probably Mm. exceeding 800 grams every day. I mean, you know, that's just an eyeball, but my guess is you're 100% exceeding it. I mean, I I think it's just an example of, you know, a banana again is... You know, or a whole entire pound of cherries is 230 calories. I mean, oh. I don't know how many calories a pound of donuts is and how much sugar that is, but I mean, it's a lot. And so I think part of it is just a volume dude, issue. A cookie
2: at Starbucks is like 380 calories.
1: Yeah.
0: The, these cookies they're making nowadays, these new crumble cookies. Oh, yeah. Oh, you and you they're like, dude.
1: Yeah. And they're as big as your face so, and have like an extra frosting
2: and on top. imagine the conversation we're having. People are like, well, that, that banana and those apples is too much sugar, but you want a crumble cookie? And Jill and I are like, holy
1: hell, what are we? We talking about here? Yeah, like At, we do not have an obesity epidemic in this country because people are eating bananas. Surrounded by like, bananas, we've lost. We have lost the narrative.
2: And the other thing that you're getting, besides all the micronutrients, all the fiber, is you're getting choice. If you're like, I love pineapple, I'm like, bro, eat 800 grams of pineapple every day. And on day three, you're like, maybe I'll eat a banana because I'm sort of <laughs> sick of eating that much pineapple. But if you eat an entire melon. An entire melon. It's like 210 calories. Eat an entire cantaloupe melon and be like, I'm so hungry. I'm going to have this ice cream. You can't do it. One of the greatest desserts you can probably have is like 10 frozen cherries. Like you're there. Just let them get all mushy. And you're going to be like, this is like gelato. And it's zero, very, very low calorie. But what ends up happening again is that we don't really care about calories. What we're saying is if you want to have collagen and joints that work well and you want to have muscles that function right and a brain that works, you've got to be putting these essential nutrients in. And ideally, what we've learned is that it's all from whole foods. So however you want to do that, four big apples a day, you're into rutabaga, you're a rutabaga guy, knock yourself out.
1: And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have a, one of my biggest influences is an author named Kate Shanahan, who wrote a book called Deep Nutrition. And she went around and studied food cultures around the world and and realized that there are basically four things that all food that all cultures throughout all of history always do. They do the same things. It's just about how they prepare their food. Every culture eats fermented food. Every culture eats meat on meat on the bone. They all eat a wide variety of fruits and vegetables. The only difference is actually how they prepare their food and which foods, you know, which underneath those bigger categories they eat. And Mm -hmm. so that's another reason we love our approach to eating here is that, man, it is like independent of culture. You can eat however your culture, you know, whatever your cultural choices are, and you can choose underneath that larger you know, umbrella. You can choose whatever foods you enjoy eating and make you feel good.
0: There you go. There you go. Uh, a few other things. So we'll tease out on the, on the book. Uh, you guys talk about the importance of mobility. And I guess this is really important. Yeah. My mom had her two knees replaced. And I remember when she got them replaced um, at the same I, time, uh, uh, no, she got them done uh, different times. And I remember the doctors were like, Hey, you need to get up, start moving around now. And I'm like, don't do that. I If I get my knees replaced, I'm laying in bed for like three months or something, and I don't know. And they're like, "No, you have to move." Right? And people, I don't think realize how important that is to all of your different muscles and ligaments. Tell, talk to us a little bit about that, if you will. Well,
2: the first thing is let's define mobility for everyone. It's your ability to move through your environment pain free, doing what you want to do. Right? That's so. Julian and I, our goal is when we're 80 we're both 50 when we're 80 we want to ride mountain bikes and ski and race cars and do whatever we want like really we want to be able to just be like what are we doing today great we're partying with our bodies I'm even tired of 80.
0: thinking i'm i'm 50 and i'm just tired thinking about said.
2: <laughs> precisely
0: I might have to go take a nap
2: so one of the things that we know very much with the body is it's user it to lose it we have to load a tissue we have to load your joint surfaces we have to load your tendons and ligaments if we want them to be tendons and ligaments, they respond to loading. so when you when you load a bone, for example, what ends up happening is you flex the bone a little bit. Hmm. and you create a little electric current in there, a piezoelectric moment where what it does is that electrical current that happens when you flex the bone calls in other cells to come in and rebuild that bone, osteoblasts. Remember, osteoblast build. So if you don't load the bone, I don't think most of us learn that, Kelly. Welcome to the welcome to uh, you know the Chris Voss Health Show. Is this,
0: a, is this an OnlyFans channel? <laughs>
2: That's right. And what <laughs> ends up happening is when if you don't load that bone, it doesn't get the call to reinforce it. So we've got to have this kind of constant movement. But one of the things you're finding out is that how we move in the day typically is in a very small movement language. We only kind of, we like, you know, we're 90 degrees with our hips. We walk around a little bit. We don't really put our arms over our head. We don't have to use our bodies because we can drive and everything's right in front of us. And so what we can imagine is how then do I begin to expose my body to its normative ranges. And as we talked about sitting on the ground, is one of the ways that you're going to have to flex your legs a little bit more than you do if you just sit in the car and sit at the the table in the toilet. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to move your hips a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do here is help people understand that no one gives a crap about their mobility until they realize they don't have it and they can't do something, or they realize they've got pain and they need it.
1: One of the ways I like to think about mobility uh, the, that is just a great sort of mental visual for me. If you think about your mobility or your physical capacity as like a wide hallway, like a wide hospital hallway, but you know, the more and more you lose your mobility, your hallway starts to narrow and narrow. And what that means is that you your choices about what you can do with your body start getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And what you don't want is to get so narrow that you're bedridden or stuck in a lazy boy for your entire retirement. You know, most people when at, you know now and as they grow older, want to be able to use their body and be able to have as much physical choice as they can, and you know you can keep your hallway and keep he- keep that corridor as wide open as possible if you retain some of your mobility and actually put some attention towards it.
2: And some of the diagnostics that we have in here. Remember, we're still about objective measures, so we open the book with this simple test called the sit and rise test. Mm-hmm. So this is it. All you need to do is stand there, cross your legs lower yourself to the ground like a kindergartner sitting on the mat, crisscross applesauce. But see if you can not put a hand down or put your knee down. Can you just lower yourself down?
1: <laughs> Are you envisioning it right now? Chris?
0: Yeah, and I can't do that. I just, I
1: so hold you, on. That's do only full, 50% full of the test. Full.
2: We all can end up on the ground. It turns out the number one reason people end up in nursing homes, they can't get up off the ground by themselves anymore. So oh, this yeah. test- is can you rise from the ground from that same position without putting a knee down or a hand down? Well, it turns out that it's an excellent predictor of all-cause mortality and morbidity. Really? So Because what, what we're really seeing is, hey, you're going to have less movement choice. Your balance is going to be off. You're probably going to have more back pain. You're going to have less sort of power in your movements. You're not going to feel as good or want to move as well the easiest way to start working on it, we already hinted at, is to do the things. Lower yourself to the ground, sit on some, some while you're watching TV, sit in all these positions, and then eventually you're going to have to stand back up. And when you start to noodle on it, it's that compounding interest. I'm putting one cent in the bank today. In a week, I've got 10 cents. In two weeks, I've got $100. And what you'll start to realize is that If we give you these vital signs around essential movements, you can start to just knock at them one at a time, a little bit, and you'll have a language for making yourself feel better. Knee hurts? Well, hey, let me check the couch test. Uh, Suddenly I'm looking at my hip extension. Oh, my back also feels better when I do that. So the body is this really complex system. In fact, the brain is the most sophisticated structure in the universe. But when we start to interlay these behaviors together, walking more suddenly makes it so you fall asleep and stay asleep. Holy crap. I didn't know walking and sleep were related. Wow. My back feels better. Cause I started sitting on the ground. Now we're cooking with gas. Well, and I go. think what
1: Kelly hinted at that I wanted to mention is that we've been taught that our aging process is just this sort of down. Like we're all just going downhill, nope. downhill, downhill, downhill. And that's really not the case. I mean, while it is true that we, we all at some point start to lose some of our muscle mass at our, at, it's as we harder. Age, it's harder to keep muscle mass on, especially after age 60 That is true, but we don't actually have to lose our range of motion. In fact, if you look at other cultures where people actually, you know, practice squatting, get up and down off the ground, toilet on the ground, sleep on on the the ground. ground, sleep on the ground. their older populations haven't lost their range of motion at all. And coincidentally, it's not coincidentally, and as a result, they have much fewer orthopedic injuries, joint replacements, and overall hip pain, less knee pain, pain, back pain. So they're they're suffering from much fewer general orthopedic problems than we are, Um, you know, those of us who mostly spend our time sitting and don't actually practice these ranges of motion. You know, and the other thing that doesn't have to go as we age is our mental acuity. And while we didn't write a book about the brain, What we do know is that if you do some care and feeding of this carcass that is the human body, you sleep enough, get some fruits and vegetables on board, move enough, and your movement is so connected to your brain that you're actually going to be more likely to actually keep your mental acuity as well as you age. Nailed it.
0: Nailed it. Yeah, you mentioned uh, we all have sophisticated brains. Have you seen some of the politicians we have in the U.S.? <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. That
1: really does call it into question.
0: Julia was looking at me with a smile. I'm like, she knows the joke I have set up for that. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing you guys talked, you touched on is the sleep part. And and, and and basically, you know, what you're saying about these ligaments and muscles in our body is use it or lose it, right?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, so sleep, let's talk a little bit about that. I've, oh, I've learned... I've learned that I have to get eight hours of sleep and sometimes I can get four or six as long as I get that afternoon nap. Um, and, and I've learned how important this is. I've, I've gotten like an eight sleep bed. I'll give them a oh, plug. Oh, fantastic. We reviewed on the Chris Foss show. Uh, I love it. The heating and the cooling, but it also oh, it's, it's got an AI system in it that adjusts the heating and cooling to my, to keep me in REM sleep, and deep sleep. And it shows me how good it even gives me a score. It's like, you know, you have an F today because you didn't sleep did right.
2: You, let me ask you, did you start m- paying attention to your sleep once you got the eight sleep or did yeah. you get the eight sleep because you were already paying attention to your sleep and you wanted to juice it up?
0: I We do reviews on the Chris Foss show, so they sent it to me. And I was mostly interested in the, in the warm bed part because there's nothing like getting in a warm bed. Oh, it's the best. Oh, and, oh. and then after a workout, there's nothing like getting in, in a nice icy cold bed. And it'll, will yeah. help those muscles. And so that was mostly it. But now the feedback it gives me, but man, I've learned, I've learned that the hard way. If I really want to have a good day and be on point eight hours of sleep.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you're exactly right. Those are the, that's the minimum we say in our book. I mean, we actually say again, these objective measures, you know, seven hours of sleep, if you just want to get by, but if you want to, if you want to, you know, be focused and creative at work, if you want to grow muscle, if you want to recover from surgery, lose
2: lose weight, lose weight, weight.
1: eight and lose weight, eight is the absolute minimum. And what chronic pain, eight, and the other thing we learned from, because we also track our sleep using something called an aura ring and we've, we've tried all the devices oh. and, and we have, uh, you know, co- cooling mattress, cooling pads on our beds as well, which we love. But, you know, what the biggest thing we learned once we actually got some data on our own sleep is that, You actually need to be in bed for almost an hour longer than you're planning to sleep to get the amount of sleep that you are thinking you're going to get because we all naturally lose almost an hour of sleep with normal wake cycles, getting up to use the bathroom, you name it. And so, you know, if someone says to you, Oh, I went to sleep at 11 and woke up at seven, that's actually seven hours of sleep. That's not eight hours of sleep. And, you know, so we, we also like you really need eight hours of sleep. Obviously, sometimes we have to travel and you know that gets disrupted, but when we're home and we can, we are really focused on getting eight hours of sleep, which means we have to be in bed for nine hours. And you yeah. hit on
2: something that was so great. Sometimes I get four, sometimes I get six, but you now have a baseline. And what ends up happening is you start making different decisions about, hey, I'm going to have to start preparing for bed to make sure I get this minimum. That means I, for example, Juliet has to start cutting off her caffeine at noon. Maybe I got a little another wiggle room. I used to be like, I could have an espresso and go to bed until I started (laughs) measuring it. And turns out that was a bunch of crap. I cannot drink a bunch of caffeine and then sleep very well. Mm -hmm. You know, my deep sleep just went out. So if we're talking about how your brain clears out the waste, we're talking about putting out all the hormones and deep sleep that allow you to repair and heal and have healthy Consolidating
1: all your memories. Holy
2: crap. The fastest stress, the biggest stressor you can add is this disrupted sleep. But because we don't give people this clear measure, if we ask 100% of our friends, you get enough sleep, they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm alive. I'm better than you, you know? And what we find, again, we didn't want to become sleep experts, but we were like, we cannot win a world championship or a gold medal Mm -hmm. until we're sleeping. And we end up, again, it's notable that, when we come and are asked to work through the environments of high performance teams and individual world champions, these are the practices and that, and you'll be shocked to learn that the best athletes in the world are like, I'm a terrible sleeper. You know, how'd you, how'd you know? I'm like, well, cause your knee always hurts. And when we started getting them this, well, tell me about why that, well, I like to sleep with the TV on. Well, holy crap. You cannot go to sleep with the TV on and expect mm. to heal and perform at a high level. So I really appreciate that. You're kind of found out that that eight hours is magic and are telling people if you get eight hours of sleep, your life
1: will change. I mean, I can't put too fine a point on this. We owned a physical therapy clinic for a long time. And I imagine a lot of your listeners, you know, at various times in their lives struggle with aches and pains. And I cannot emphasize it enough that, you know, for anyone who comes into our physical therapy clinic with pain, the first question we ask is how much sleep do you get? Because, you know, if, if we're There's dealing with someone with low back pain and they're reporting that they're getting five hours of sleep, I mean, our answer to that is what are we even talking about? Like, we don't know. We have no idea what the source of it is. It's complicated, but sleep is definitely a factor.
0: It makes all the difference. I do intermittent fasting. I've lost, what, 75, almost 100 pounds. Holy on shit. Yeah.
1: job, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and so... Uh, there there are times for some reason uh I I don't get four hours or I get I don't get eight hours of sleep straight. And so I'll do an afternoon nap. It's great. And I'm at- 55. I used to tease, we used to tease our dad. You're so goofy, huh? oh, you always take a nap, dad. Now, now I'm like, well, oh, I realize what the old man was up to. Sorry, dad. Yeah, sorry, dad. We should appreciate you more. But I want, um, let me
2: let me let me dive into your intermittent fasting for a second. So, everyone who, who has listened to the show understands that what basically is happening you're delaying some of the, the windows of eating and you're compressing your windows of consumption. Yeah. So, what we know from the research is that's totally valid. But what we often find in our athletic populations where people have to move is that that is basically hidden calorie control and that oftentimes we see that people are underfueled. So during that window, you've really got to hustle to get those protein minimums and those fruits and vegetable minimums. So let me give you an example for me of understanding principles and making choice. So notice that we didn't say intermittent fasting is bad. But let me give you an example of how this principle can drive behavior. I found out that I, – because I played with intermittent fasting too because I was like, this is cool. I want to be less gross for my wife. I want to lose – you know, be more shredded. Obviously. Less gross? Sign me up. Less gross. It's a <laughs> technical term, and uh, it's science, and, and it's definitely
0: challenge. How often is she calling you gross?
2: What's going on over there? No, she's just like – she never calls me no. gross. She just says, be less gross. Just less gross. Oh, oh less my gross. God. That is so, so true. if <laughs> I – what I found out was that if I didn't eat until noon – I was often way behind on calories. And I had I would get full and not be able to eat these big meals. I wouldn't work out in the afternoon and feel very good. But at 9 or 10 o'clock, I was starving. And I would have to eat like a chicken in a jar of peanut butter. And then going to sleep on a big belly, guess what? Yeah, I didn't right. sleep very well. Yeah. And subsequently, what I realized was like, holy moly, I didn't think about how this – eating decision was actually changing and influencing how well I was sleeping. So I, so now in the morning I make sure I have protein and a, and a handful of fruit. I don't have to eat a huge meal, but I make sure I'm covering those basics.
0: Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I was a guy for 20 years who thought that, uh, having a nightcap with vodka was a good way. Oh yeah. You slept great. Yeah. 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 You slept great. Real quickly, I,
1: Right. You thought you slept great. <laughs>
2: We yeah. didn't know. We didn't We didn't know. I mean, I think that's what's – we want to give everyone the, the benefit of the doubt. And one of the things that happened was that you felt less stressed when you had that nightcap. What yeah. we did was, hey, if we don't give people the right tools or a different set of tools, people will reach for whatever tool makes them feel good. And bourbon and vodka are proven tools to take <laughs> away pain. <laughs> they for just very, turn out right. – They Until just the turn morning. out yeah, – That's right. They're not Until great uh, at uh, things like sleep.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, sleep is so important. I mean, I've, I, with intermittent fasting and trying to lose weight, if I do like four hours of sleep, I'll, I'll feel bloated. I'll feel ugly, nasty. And, and then, and I have to program it in my day. Like you said, I have to so okay, there's going to be somewhere we're doing a two to four hour nap. And I will do that two to four hour nap in the afternoon and I will have this deep REM sleep, you know, the kind of drool on your pillow where you wake oh, up,
1: yeah. Yeah, that half the good. bed's
0: floating and, and you've had some, you know, you've had weird dreams where Elton John and is in your <laughs> thing in that yellow, Amen. I, I was listening to yellow brick uh, road uh, earlier, so I figured I'd use that. So you're, you're often wizard of Oz land, but uh, I'll lose two to three pounds over those, those four hours. And, and it's it's astounding to me. I'll just be like, holy crap. That, that's not
2: being stressed. That's dropping, lowering mm-hmm. cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. That's your body letting go of hydration and water. We normally see these big fluctuations when people are super stressed. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And the problem is, this is the problem with humans. We're so good at being stressed. We are- with humans, we, <laughs> we are masters of under eating, eating crappy, smoking cigarettes, still winning world championships. But you, what what gets you there are not the things that keep you here. And I think mm. the problem is we have so much tolerance in our twenties. I mean, there was a time in my life where I think when I met Juliet, I was in my twenties. I could cut off my hand, and the next day I'd be back. And she'd be like, "You cut off your hand yesterday." I'm like, "I'm 26." This 25. is why she
0: wants you to be less gross. <laughs> <That's right. The laughs> don't cut off your hand. Off, don't, don't cut off. But your hand I would either.
2: regenerate in the night and be like, "I'm back, baby." But at 50, I cannot get away with that anymore. Yeah. And what we learned was hey, what happens if I talk to my 26 year olds about what I've learned when I'm 50? And they can go harder. They can go, they can extend their careers. They can be kind of crazier. They can handle more stress in their lives. Sick baby, sick loved one, red eye, work stress. It's the same thing. Athletics or work stress, exactly the same stress in your brain. There you, you know, go.
1: I was a um, Division One athlete in college, and it was in the early '90s. You
2: were so elite
1: when the fat-free diet was all the rage. Bagels, and I look back and I think, man, I could have been so much more awesome because <laughs> I survived. I survived my entire college athletic career eating bagels, red vines, and mochas. And I look back and I think, man, if I just had some fruits and vegetables and some protein, like I could have been so exceptional. Instead, <laughs> I was just sort of wallowing around in like bagelville.
0: So yeah. you know, so puffy. I was so that was the puffy. Einstein bagel. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah they oh, so wow. good. So
1: puffy and and bobol-y Italian bread shell. I ate a lot of those. Oh too. wow! Yeah. As Remember a those?
2: senior in high school, I ate <laughs> at break. I ate four bagels, and wow. a and a hot chocolate. And then the next class, I was so sleepy. Go figure. Oh yeah,
0: knows? you just crash four from the sugar.
2: Anyone yeah. here ch- try to eat four bagels in a row? Let me know how that goes
0: for you. I can't eat one or two. I've had those. I remember <laughs> back in the day, I used to have those Einstein bagels, and I'm like, this is healthy for me, and I just crash from the sugar. Um, so, you guys cover the whole gambit. We've touched on it a little bit in the book, so people need to order the books so they can get it. Anything for you sure. want to tease out on the book before we go? It's a lot easier than you
2: think. Julian and I respect that you're actually a busy, working, competent person, and we don't want you to throw away your life. What's Let's not wor-
0: push it that I'm competent, though. Uh,
2: okay. The idea here is that there's a ton that you can begin to work in in the margins of your day where it doesn't feel like you've gone off the the deep end. And what we feel like, honestly, legitimately, is that the household is the most functional and most important unit of change. All we have to do is start to be better in our little neighborhood, our little family. And that's how we can transform society. It really makes a big difference.
1: And then I just want to leave with two things. The first is uh, a phrase that our friend Dave Spitz taught us, which is never do nothing. Kelly used to do a 10-minute workout at 10 p.m. when our kids were little. And what we've learned over the years is you can actually make a lot of changes and important impacts on your health in two, two, five, 10-minute blocks. And so even if you don't love exercise or lost the chance to go to your workout at the gym, there's a ton of little things you can do that actually make a huge difference in 10 minute increments. And so we're huge fans of sort of the never do nothing philosophy. And then the other thing is we actually have a, 20, a free 21 day built to move challenge on our website at built to move.com. It's a so video for, companion. It's course. a video companion course to the book. So for anyone who's interested in learning a little bit more and getting demonstrations on all the exercises and tests, there's a ton of supportive content that's out there free that people can follow along with
0: and you guys have a podcast too you're you're coming to us from your amazing podcast studio we We do
1: it's the it's called the ready state there you go
0: there you go uh so this has been wonderful to have you guys on and talk about this stuff Uh, you know really simple important things like people ask me you know oh, you know, going to the gym, that seems complicated. It's kind of production to go there, but, you know, once you're there, I, I used to, when I even felt bad, I did to go to the gym. I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting in the car and I'm driving yes. there. And if if I don't feel like doing anything when I get there, I'm just going to sit there and, you know, maybe I'll play with something. And, and you know, so, yeah, some and a lot of times I get there and just be in the environment and my body would be like, okay, let's uh, try a few things. And then pretty much you're back into your routine. And sometimes it's just that being there factor. Um, fast- Losing
2: as much weight of views lost is a miracle. It is such an anomaly that people listen to this. If you have a family member, listen to what Chris has done. A little bit of movement. Don't rely on motivation. Just go through the motions. Start looking at some of these things. You can transform your life. It's really is a
0: lot easier than people think, but what you've done is incredible. Thanks, man. And and what you guys have done in the book is you've really outlined the simplistic nature of a lot of this stuff. Yes. Like it doesn't have to be complex. And it's funny, and we should probably mention this because people do this in our heads because we're idiot humans. Uh, and and we we think that okay, well, if I'm going to lose weight or if I'm going to exercise, it's got to be a big production. We got to spend a bunch of money doing it. We got to do all this thing. And you know, in your guys' book, you guys have okay, get eight hours of sleep, like.
1: Get out of, just, of sleep. Walk around your neighborhood. Say hi to your neighbors.
0: Oh, uh, let's not do that. Yeah. Have you seen my neighbors? No, <laughs> this is why you have to go walk and see
2: yeah. your neighbors. This is how we have a civil society.
0: What <laughs> I just- what I do with my teenagers to get them exercise is I give them like a moving box of their stuff, and I have them practice going out the front door from when they finally turn eighteen. I'm like, I just want to make sure we know this so when you hit eighteen we know how this works, right? That's not going to work.
2: We have a senior in high school. I'm taking yeah. that home and am employing it tonight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's exercise. I, I'm kidding. I don't have teenagers. I put all my kids in, in, uh, in military school and I don't know, they call me every now and then when they can get through. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but it's been wonderful to have you on the show folks. Uh, give us your dot coms wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs.
1: Sure. We're at the dot You can get the 21 day built to move challenge and learn more about the book at built to move.com. We are at the ready state on all the social channels and I am at Juliet star at on Instagram.
0: There you go. And one thing I was going to ask you as I forgot, do you guys, you guys are standing at the desk there at the podcast, uh, uh stage. Do you guys have one of those, uh, do you guys have anything on your, for your feet, like any of those softener, you know, they have like these foam things. Do you guys have yeah. any of those?
1: Yeah. So our, our feeling about a standing desk is it doesn't count as a standing desk unless you have a place to put your foot like you would at a bar, you know, that mm-hmm. actually takes your back out of extension and makes it easier to stand for longer. So we think having a place to p- put your foot is key, but we're, we're total fans of those squishy mats because sometimes it is hard on the feet to stand on, you know, hard concrete you're not supposed to be still and um mm. and you know and then Kelly's actually perching and I'm standing just so that we're like an even height in this podcast. Oh. Um but you know we we each get credit for you know he gets credit for perching and I get credit for standing and so so yeah huge fans of mats and any way that you can make a standing desk feel more comfortable.
0: I I need to look into that. I need to start using my standing desk. I got two of these damn things.
2: Well let let me leave you with one idea. If you start standing and fidgeting instead of just sitting. There's a simple calculator you can probably find that gives you a rough idea. Juliette, if she just doesn't sit at work, she burns 100,000 calories a year. I'm wow. way bigger. I'm almost twice as large as she is. That gives me one hundred and seventy to 180,000 calories of ice cream.
1: Or Doritos.
2: That I can eat and not have it mess up anything. I don't have to do anything extra, and I can smash 180,000 calories of ice cream a
0: year for free. Wow. No, I know why she wants you to be less gross. I, <laughs> that's right. That's a lot of that's a lot of ice cream, dude. Uh, I, I know. About all I know. Ice cream and
2: look, that's how work. I work. Juliet's like, I want to live forever. I'm like, I just want to smash more ice cream.
0: I just want to, you know. Well, I mean, you know, that's the reward basis. You know, people need to, you need to have a little bit of reward for the work you do. Seems you know? reasonable. Every now, and then, I mean, that's why I go, you know, my 800 grams of fruit is, uh, I, I just go to uh, McDonald's, get the Big Mac and the uh, cherry shake. <laughs> nah, that's not
2: right. People you can do that right. once in a while for sure.
0: Yeah. And that's why you, that's why you be good. Every now and then you, you know, I'll go get some fried onion rings, you know, which aren't too bad. So there's yeah. that. Anyway, thank you very much uh, for having some, having Thanks, you or having us on the show. You're on your podcast. I'm on my podcast. So how, wh- whoever was on the show today, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Oh,
1: it's so fun to talk to you. Thanks, Chris.
0: There you go. Uh, order up where refined books are sold. My family and friends of the Chris Voss Show family—the family loves you, but doesn't judge you. At least not as harshly as your mother-in-law. I've seen her; she's nice. Uh, anyway, order up the book where refined books are sold. Built to move: the ten essential habits to help you move freely and live fully. I'm gonna—I'm gonna do some calorie check and see how much it when I sold my chair to the side computer does. So maybe tens, maybe the, tens. over
2: year, tens of calories.
0: Yeah, probably tens. Uh, so anyway, order uh, wherever fine books are sold. Uh, refer to the show to your family your friends, folks. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, those crazy places the kids play on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. And that should have us out, guys. That was a fun show.